Good morning again. I'm sure that some of you might have wondered what in the world uh, with that sermon title today. Um, you know, I think most of us have heard that expression someplace or another. Or at least I, I think so. Uh, the pot calling the kettle black. And you wonder where does stuff like that originate? You know, expressions, idioms, that kind of stuff. And, uh, uh, you know, some think that this particular one goes back to uh, Spanish world and Don Quixote and all that. And, and others say it come out of an old folklore where a shiny new pot was placed uh, in in the fires and, and next to a shiny new kettle that was placed in the fires. And then as the fires kept going and the days went by, they got all suited up and all black. And suddenly the pot says to the kettle, hey, you're black, dirty, filthy. And now look who's talking, right? So we know that kind of expression. Uh, the Germans have a kind of a parallel thing, and it, I think most languages probably do. They would say, you know, a, a donkey scolding another one for having long ears. <laughs> kind of some of the same thing, right? In, in the Danish uh, version of that is, you better sweep in front of your own door before you speak about someone else's, right? And so uh, there's these kinds of, of expressions you know, common to most of them are they are they're, they're somewhat tilted negatively, really. Uh, it's a little bit of a self-righteous thing, right? And, you know, you're saying something about me, hey, well, don't look at yourself. You're not much better, right? There's that kind of a self-righteousness going on, which is exactly opposite of what you find in, in what we're going to read in just a moment in what Jesus is trying to say when, when he is focusing exactly the other way and trying to focus on, on what you would need to do so you can better help another person. He is focusing on the connection between, between um, the way we react toward our fellow human being and the way we react toward God and God reacts toward us. Now, we recognize, obviously, that God's grace is far greater than anything that we could ever uh, bring to the table. But yet, uh, it is a clear, unequivocal emphasis of Scripture that God's reaction to us is not disconnected from our life and our reaction uh, to others. Even the Lord's Prayer will tell us that, will it not? Forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. So let us uh, read together uh, this thing. We are we're in this overarching series we've been in now for a very long time called Life Together, and we're kind of focusing in on different things. The last few months we have been in Luke four, five, and six. And I, uh, I will encourage you, if you have not had time to, to, to be here every Sunday for some reason uh, that I may never understand, but still, uh, then you can go back and find it uh, online, either uh, on YouTube or on our website. Today we'll read from chapter 6 of the Gospel of Luke, beginning in verse 37. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you a good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. 
will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told him a parable. We're talking about Jesus here. Jesus also told him a, a parable. Can the blind guide the blind? Won't they both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the splinter that is in your eye when you yourself don't see the beam of wood in your eye? Hypocrite. First take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the splinter in your brother's eye. Can we look at this text, just kind of walk through it? Uh, and just notice what, what uh, our Lord is speaking here, right? And, and the first emphasis, of course, we see him make is that the way you think about the speck and the beam, or for that matter, the, the pot and the kettle being black, so to speak, it has direct relationship uh, to the way you understand your own relationship to your fellow human being and your relationship to God. That's what 37 and 38 is all about. He gives us, if you notice that, it's almost like something we could hang on a mirror in that way, right? He gives us two prohibitions and two commands, just like that. The prohibition says you cannot or must not judge, don't judge, uh, and then don't condemn, two don'ts. And then the commands or the two do's, if you will, is you must give and you must forgive. The other way around, but still, those are the the two. And if you think about it just for a moment, I I don't know that I know many people in general, uh, Christian or not, that didn't think those are good kind of rules for life. Don't judge, don't don't condemn, uh, forgive, and be giving. That, That seems good rules. But in order for us to avoid just to kind of uh, misinterpret has become so easy so often and water down the instructions of Jesus that we don't find any real content that changes things in him. I want us to look at it a little bit closer if we can. On the surface, if you just read it like this, don't judge, it seems like uh, Jesus is somewhat encouraging that we don't really need to care all that much about our fellow human beings. Who are we to judge? Whatever they do, I mean, who who are we to judge? And so we can step back and we sometimes do with a self-righteousness that goes all the way back to Cain. Read about it in in Genesis chapter 3, right? We stand back and we say, you know, I know they did all that. You know, am I my brother's keeper? And just like that, we kind of sweep things aside as if they're not all that important. But the meaning of what Jesus says is so radically different from that. He's not not saying, don't care. None of your business. 
When he talks about us not judging our neighbors, so to speak, our friends, our workmates, our colleagues, our classmates, whatever they mean by our spouse, by our Christian community friends and our church members and all of that, he's not trying to say that it doesn't matter how they live and you should not care about it. He's not trying to give you a, an excuse for skirting your responsibility to have real interest in their lives, to be truly engaged, to be seeking to be a living, great mentoring example for them. The word here about not judging is actually mirrored in or explained by, if you will, the word about not condemning. Parallel words in in this context. And all of that needs to be read in light of the verse that just preceded it that we talked about last Sunday. just Just go up one verse. Be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. Don't judge and don't, uh, and you will not be judged. Don't condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Jesus, by saying this, takes nothing away from our responsibility. The only thing he might take away is our right to negatively criticize and fault-finding in other people. So when we are evaluating what's going on here, and when you're looking around and, and we're seeing what's going on around us, what he's saying is you need to do so with a merciful heart. When you see flaws in others, Remember how you are the, yourself the recipient of God's grace and God's mercy. These prohibitions that Jesus give is not about us kind of writing off, if you will, our responsibility for, for looking at what is God about? Who is he? What does he want to see happen in this world? That's not it. It was never, ever Jesus' intention that the world could just go fall off the cliff while the Christians were leaning back and feeling good about saying, what do we care? It's, who are we to judge? That was never the intention. It was never the intention of Jesus' saying that questions of deep morality, the way we treat those around us, whatever class of people they belong to, whatever the, whoever they are, that we should not care about this. It was never Jesus' intention that we should not be keenly aware of, of who God is and what his function in this world is and how we should live that out in the very circles that he given us to live in. Never Jesus' intention that the most silent people when wrongs are happening around should be his own church. To the contrary, friends, look at this text. It's about what happens when we have looked, 
When we have evaluated, when we have realized that this, that, and the other runs straight and contrary to what God is all about, then it's our task to get engaged in the most loving, merciful, winsome way to turn things and people toward God. Not criticizing, not fault-finding, but lovingly and mercifully, just as your Father is also merciful. Now, look at the two others. The two commands, or the two do's, if you will, they highlight the exact same thing just from the other side or with a plus in front of it, if you will. The first uh, command is that we are to be forgiving. Forgive. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness really is our willingness to restore fellowship that have been broken in some way or another by other people. That, that's what that is about. When something has been made difficult because of actions of others. It, it, forgiveness is not some kind of loose hanging word that just as well could be translated with indifference. Or for that matter, even concession. You know, you know I'm good with that. You know, it doesn't bother me. I can forgive anything. That's not the point. That you have a forgiving heart does not mean that you're one of these people for whom everything is just equal. Forgiveness, friends, have to do with the restoration of fellowship. When God forgives you, it's because he wants to restore fellowship with you. This is about life together, together with each other and together with God. When God forgives us, it is exactly because he does care. He is not indifferent. There's no way that someone can read even a few pages of Scripture and say, God doesn't care about our sins. He just kind of strikes it out with, with no real deep pain, no full engagement, no significant love. No, that's never what, was, what forgiveness was all about. There's a direct relationship in, in, in biblical theology between your willingness to repent, to be truly, genuinely repentant or sorry for the mistakes that you have made, and your request for that forgiveness, and then God's eagerness and willingness to grant it. John writes it as about as clear as, as we can ever find it. They can find it so many places. But right here when he says, when you confess your sin, God is faithful and he will forgive. And he will cleanse you from all kinds of unrighteousness. That's how it is. It's the person who repents. There's no kind of carte blanche kind of forgiveness of sin in Scripture, nowhere to be found. That's how it is with your relationship with God, and that's how it is with our relationship with one another.
In the same way here, when you look at that, with a question about judging, that that does not take us out of the need for forgiveness. These things are so intertwined that we understand what's going on if we read it carefully and if we are honest with ourselves. We have a deep-seated responsibility for each other. That's what Jesus is saying. If you read that whole sermon here in chapter 6 that we call the Sermon on the Plain, you'll see that exact emphasis throughout. It is your responsibility, friend, according to the word of Jesus, that you restore the fellowship with someone, even if they're the ones who have broken it. The next kind of command, if you will, and sorry if I go fast a little bit. Sometimes I think we should just do a five-minute break for everybody to pray in between, yes? Same model, to be a giver rather than to be a recipient has to do with our willingness to give ourselves to other people without anticipating something in return. We spoke about that in length last Sunday in the text that directly preceded this. Our whole focus is on how we can be of help to others by our giving. So let me give you a couple of samples to think through here, right? So in gratitude to what God has given you in your health, are you willing to visit those whose help has forced them to stay home or to be in a hospital bed? In gratitude toward what God has given you in terms of of skills and abilities, are you willing to help those who need those specific skills and abilities. In gratitude toward God who has given you strength and and energy, are you making yourself available to those who need that kind of strength and energy? In gratitude toward God who who has given you time, are you scouring everywhere to see where can I give my time that I may be of greatest help? To someone else. In gratitude to God who has given you money. Or the ability to earn money. Giving you a job where that can happen. Are you all the time looking out for saying. How can I give what God has given me to those who I need. To a church whose mission I want to support. to, To people who are dependent upon me hearing what God says on this matter. Give, Jesus says, and it will be given to you. You know, there's a joy, friends, that comes with that. That those who don't give will never know. And those who give only kind of a mediocre kind of levels will, will, will take away from themselves that kind of joy. You think, how can they have that? Some people have stolen that joy from themselves by not being giving. And without just bogging down on, on our material things, just think about other things. Most of us have, have been the recipients of or participated in 
when someone was sick or something happened in our family and other people that we, we knew it could be a, a Bible study group, it could be a, a group from church and other that they'd suddenly showed up and just miraculously people we, we knew somewhat well and some we didn't know all that well. We had food every night for a month. Right? Some of you can speak about that, right? Some of you call out of the blue and you've heard about them. You've seen them maybe in church. And I heard that this is going on in your life. What can I do? Can I go pick up your groceries? Or can I take your kids to school or something like that? We, we hear about this. We had in our own example, uh, in our own lives, a, a strong example of this. My, my wife got really ill a couple of decades ago, like seriously ill and, and, uh, and a church member from another church that we belonged to several years before took her kids, brought them to her grandkids, and drove the 200-plus miles down to us to stay and be there to help. So our lives were not completely pulled apart. And what did they gain from that? Nothing really. Why did they do it? Well, not so that they could get something out of it other than the hassle of it. But they did it because they served the God who says, give, and it shall be given unto you. Are we hearing this, friends? Talking about life together. This is what this is about. Jesus gave two prohibitions, and he gave two commands. A prohibition, do not judge. Do not condemn. And then the two commands, forgive and give. But notice, and I want us to not miss that. Notice how the motivation for this is found in this reciprocal kind of value of these commandments. They're all grounded in your relationship to God. Judge not, condemn not, and you will not be condemned or judged by God. Give and forgive so that you will be given and forgiven by God. For, as it says, look at that for, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. There's so much here. I wish we had more time to spend on that. And I trust you can do that in in Bible study group and discipleship group and all these other places. But I want to press on and just speak for a word for a moment in the next two verses as well. This is about how pulling the beam out of your own eyes have significance for you as a leader. Don't miss this, friends. A blind cannot lead a blind, Jesus says. And the significance of this is deeper than we just kind of capture from the surface of this. When Jesus, Jesus is using this, this proverb, he is not talking about physical blindness per se. What, what he is talking about is actual blindness. When people out of of lack of self-examination, lack of kind of self-evaluation and awareness maybe even, get to the point where they feel like I can judge others without considering my own issues. 
that leaves the people blind and thereby unusable as a guide. That's what we see. This lack of of courage that dare to forgive and to give where there's no anticipation whatsoever that anything can ever be paid back. The lack of that kind of courage will leave people blind and thereby unusable as leaders. That's what Jesus says when he continues here. Verse 4 says, the disciple is, is never above his master. No one can give beyond what they are themselves. That's where that goes. But what is he saying here? He's saying, I'm asking you to move forward with me. If you desire to grow with me, all of you, to be useful in my kingdom as leaders in my kingdom, it's about discipleship. It's about following after me, desiring to become more like Jesus. That's what it is. The one who by the help of God and the grace of God and by the power of God's spirit conquers her or his own weaknesses. They gain their sight back. That's the point. They are able now to lead others. Do we hear this? If you read this text and you dwell on it just for a moment, you'll see that's exactly what happens right here. That we hear from Jesus an encouragement, a strong, strong exhaltation even command here to be sightseers, people with seeing power. Pull the beam out of your own eyes so you may see better. There's some people who are always quick to say, well, the church, you know, about 100 years ago had a much stronger standing in society than it does now. And I don't want to argue that. But I just want to share this text. And if that is so, it's because the leaders have not had the seeing power to guide in the way that Jesus needed us to guide. And that comes back to each of us. If we are willing to understand, and I hope you will hear this, that your life matters. He loves you. He forgave you. He gives to you. He's just asking you, would you do the same? Just think about this text. He's saying it matters that you understand that people see how you solve your problems. That it matters what you say to your fellow human beings and about your fellow human beings. That it matters... What you allow your eyes to watch, it matters what you allow your ears to hear. It matters that people notice. It matters to yourself even that you allow your personality continue to grow. 
to a greater and greater and greater likeness with Christ. Imitate me, Paul says, as I imitate Christ. That's a whole sermon right there. Most of us will shy away from even saying that. They better not imitate me. But that's the power of someone whose focus is just that. So how does that happen? Well, it happens, look at the last few verses, when we pull the beam out of our own eyes so we can see clearly. Can I read that last verse again? First, take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly. That's the remedy, friends. That's the remedy. And and, and don't misunderstand what Jesus is saying. He is not trying to paralyze it by saying, well, as you are, you're completely uh, unusable, and as you are, you know, you're, you're insufficient and all. That's not the point. That was never the point. Jesus said, I'm there with my power. I'm there with my spirit. I'm there to help you do that. You know, I'm not asking you to do anything on your own. I'm just saying you, saying to you, will you please be able to see clearly what it takes to become more like me? This is a grotesque picture, obviously, about beams and splinters and all that. But the point is that we are on the outlook for how God can grow us, how God can use us, how God can move us closer to his son, Jesus Christ. That's it. It's pretty much what this text is all about. And I won't know what to say really about this other than to say is that not what you want is that not really deepest down what we know the world needs is that not really what we have to ask ourselves why are we not eager more eager for that that we may see clearly Who is the best guide? That's the one who is not blind, yes? Who can show the way? Who can walk the way? Is that not what we want? We have this emphasis on on life together. If you have noticed anything in the hallways beyond just a sign that now will tell you where you can go, hello, is that great? You will see also now new signs on discipleship. Look at the walls. Should make that a little bit of an exam for you, right? So you can write down, oh, I saw this sign. Oh, I saw this sign. So instead of me telling you what it says, look at it. They'll hang in the Sunday school classes as well. They'll be in the hallways. About discipleship. We want to see Jesus give us new sight. Father, I ask for everyone here that your text will come to life in a new way that we may see the power of what you're saying, 
understand the depth of your word and not wash them away like they are just so watered down that they make no real difference. Father, I know you're speaking specifically to some people this morning. And I'm convinced they know it in their hearts. Some are sitting at home since that. Some are, are here. Give them boldness. Even in this moment, all of us, Lord, to have that desire. Those to whom you speak with extra force this morning. Lord, we need a whole church. Lord, would you please hear this passionate prayer as it come from every heart here and certainly also from mine. Will you make the First Baptist Church of Louisville a place where people have seeing power, a place of visionaries, a place of disciples? In your holy name we pray. Amen. Friends, we're going to ask you to stand, and we'll have it open here. There'll be some to pray with. Some of you may want to just say, I need just to pray with someone. I got to get my life to that. I want that seeing power. Some of you may say, hey, I want to give my life to Christ. And I know that there are some here who need to join this place. We have had people join every week last while. And we love to see that. God speaks to your heart. This is the time.